Today is, as Sarah mentioned, our final sermon in the Daniel series. If you have been with us thus far, you'll know that we titled the series Living Faithfully in a Beastly Age. And while Daniel chapter 12, the final chapter in the book, has some new things to say, in many ways this morning I'll be summarizing, summing up some of what we've already talked about in the weeks prior. And what I'd like to do this morning is kind of talk briefly about faithful living. What does it mean to faithfully live in a beastly age? And that it looks like both being out of step and in step in some very real ways. So living faithfully in step and out of step. And then the last thing I want to talk about this morning is God's good conclusion. So the out of step and in step faithful life and God's good conclusion. Before we jump in, let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, were the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. As many of you will know, Shannon and I, my wife and I, had the privilege a number of years ago of teaching English in Japan. And one of the phrases that kind of captured our experience of the teaching system, the educational system in Japan, is this Japanese proverb that's used to describe what they're trying to do. And it is kind of a foreboding proverb. It's not exactly something you'd see written on a t-shirt or the side of a wall. But the proverb is simply this, the nail that sticks out gets hammered back down. Kind of intense. But what it captures is that the idea is school there is supposed to help you conform to this particular image, to learn the right behaviors, to not stick out, to get in line, get in step with what the Japanese kind of society needs to be doing. Um, And that captures something of what we've been reading about in the book of Daniel. One of the things that we've seen over the past weeks is how Daniel and the people of Israel in exile in a beastly time live out of step. They stick out in some real and dangerous ways. And the hammer falls on them, right? The fiery furnace, the lion's den. These are prime examples. But the reality of being out of step is not reserved for the people of Israel in the time of exile alone. And one of the main things I think chapter 12 of the book of Daniel is teaching us is that this is a reality for the people of God through time. Chapter 12 kind of telescopes beyond the historical moment of Daniel's life, beyond the Persian and Babylonian empires, and speaks of this time of distress, the likes of which has never been seen. What it describes is a continuation and intensification of what has been experienced and seen in the rest of the book. So faithfulness in a beastly age is not about faithfulness in a specific period of time or history under a specific ruler, but it's about faithfulness in all ages at all times. Many of you will, of course, have been following the election of this past week. And for the first time, a woman, a black and Asian woman, has been voted in as vice president of this country. Regardless of our politics and our policies, That is a remarkable and significant thing, a notable thing when put into the context of this country's history. Worth celebrating, I think. Yet the reality of continued racial injustice, the continued reality of policies that contribute to a culture where we treat some people as less than or disposable because of their stage of life, their immigration status, that's not reserved to any one administration, any one candidate or party. 
in many ways, the beastly age, the brokenness of our time, continues regardless of which party, which administration is in power. And not just here in the United States. This past week saw terror attacks in Vienna and in Kabul, sees a burgeoning civil war in Ethiopia, sees continued oppression of whole people groups in Northwest China. The reality that Daniel speaks of, the whole book speaks of, is that earthly powers and authorities, the authorities of this age, regularly are assuming, grasping power over and against God's purposes. Grasping powers that make them death-dealing and dehumanizing. And that continues through time. The beastly age continues, even to the end, Daniel 12 suggests. And as a result, living faithfully, living for the purposes of God, means being out of step. It means being, in some ways, the nail that sticks out. It means, perhaps, even experiencing distress. The same word for distressed used here in verse 1 is applied in the Gospels to the suffering and death of Jesus. That Jesus' own life was marked by such distress is a clear signal that the life of faithfully following after him is not one of ease necessarily, but one that is profoundly out of step with the status quo of this age, of so much of this world. To be a Christian, think about this, is to take the name of someone who was crucified and experienced distress as Lord, as a sign of them being Lord of all. Being a Christian is to adopt a pattern of life that put him, the Lord, at odds with the authorities of his day. David Foster Wallace, a writer that many of you will know, now deceased, spoke and wrote famously about life on the default setting, the default sort of life. He described it as a life in which we are at the center, in which our feelings and needs, determined and shaped by the age in which we live, are the priority. This is not the life of Christ. This is not the life of faithfulness to which we're called. The people of God are called to resist the drift of history, to adopt an alternative pattern of life, different values, different behaviors, different actions. They're called to adopt a pattern of life in which Jesus Christ and his way of the cross are the prototype. This way of life does not happen by accident. In the final verse of our reading, the charge comes to Daniel to go your way. That's an imperative. Move. In the original language, it's one word, go. I think we can receive it this way as go, continue on this path with God. Persist in it. Exert energy. Lay hold of the life that God has for you. At times, I think we can suffer under the illusion that the grace of God, that the reality that we are saved by grace alone, is opposed to our effort. It means we don't have to put in our effort. Dallas Willard has famously said that grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. The life to which we are called requires that we move, that we resist the default setting, the drift of this age, requires that we exert energy, we go. 
In our tribe of churches, the Anglican Church of North America, there's this catechism that was created a few years ago. And there's a whole section in the catechism devoted to the rule of life, the idea of a rule of life. It's in sections 252 to 255. And it outlines the need for a plan of rhythms, patterns, and behaviors. Think of Daniel before the lion's den praying three times a day. That's indicative of this rule, this set out pattern of life with intention. Not as a way of like earning our salvation or proving ourselves worthy of grace, but as a means of leaning against the default setting, moving out of step with the dehumanizing, disordered, self-centered desires of this age. A rule of life becomes necessary that we might lay hold of the good and faithful existence to which God has called us. That we might be out of step. Lovers of justice and holiness, marked by humility and grace, salt and light in a beastly time. This does not happen by accident. You have got to move to exert yourself. Of course, the call of God is not simply to be out of step. Think about the experience that many of us have as teenagers uh, and the idea of being alternative or rebelling against your parents or convention. For those of us on this side of our teenage years, whatever that rebellion, that kind of going against the flow might have looked like, I think we can honestly say often that we were just in reaction. Whatever your parents valued, you were like, well, I'm going to say the opposite. That so often marks our experience. That's not what it is to, call, to be the people of God, to be faithful. The people of God are called, yes, to perhaps be out of step, but they're also called to be in step with something truer, better, greater, and more enduring. In our passage, such people who are out of step with the age, but in step with God, are named as the wise, twice there in our passage. And the same term is in fact used in Daniel chapter one to describe Daniel himself, the supernatural insight he has, the wisdom of God. Within scripture, the idea of being a wise person is more than knowing a great deal or having a particular skill, though those are important aspects of it, skill and knowledge. But more than that, wisdom in scripture is understood as thinking and acting in line with God's intentions and purposes. Think of it as thinking and acting with what is most true, most real. This is what the book of Proverbs teaches, that by wisdom, with wisdom, God laid out all of creation, all of reality. And by wisdom, by living wisely, human beings align themselves with the way things really are even when it feels like that's not true. So when you resist the temptation to use another person, when you speak words of life and blessing, when you love someone who opposes you, when you diligently put your hands to good work, when you worship God with your body, heart, and mind, you are living in line with the way things truly are out of step with the age, perhaps, in very real ways, but in step with reality. The powers of this beastly age, for all their pretension, pomp, and cruelty, the kind of impulses that we may feel to live for ourselves, to live a self-centered existence, are out of line with the arc of reality, 
which bends toward righteousness, toward the reign and rule of Israel's God. So the call upon you and I to faithfulness, to goodness, to holiness in our lives is a call to live and act with the grain of the universe, to be in step with things as they truly are. This is the logic of Jesus' Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who hunger for justice and righteousness, who are pure in heart. In the Beatitude in our reading, blessed are those who persevere in this way because they are living in line with what is most true and real, the kingdom of heaven. That word blessed, as we've seen in our time at Church of the Cross, can be translated congratulations, happy, you lucky bums, right side up, in step are you in a misaligned age. Of course, many of you will know how Jesus' Beatitudes end. In Matthew 5, they culminate with, Blessed are you when others persecute you and revile you for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when you experience the distress named in Daniel chapter 12. Notice in verse 3 that the wise are named alongside those who lead many to righteousness. I love this phrase. It reveals that to be faithful as Daniel sees it, as is revealed to Daniel, is not to simply live your own righteous life, your own upstanding existence, solitary. But to be faithful is also to seek righteousness for those around you. In the language of the Beatitudes, to be a maker of shalom. That is, to pursue justice for your neighbors, to contribute to their well-being, to use what God has privileged you with, to bless and serve them in their need. This is faithful living. It is to enter into places of brokenness and evil, suffering, and to seek God's righteousness, justice, and peace there. To make good trouble, perhaps, as John Lewis once said. And notice, too, that to lead others to righteousness is to lead them to the one who is righteous, Jesus Christ, who himself leads many sons to glory, Hebrews says. It's to teach them everything he commanded, to live in such a way that his name, his way are known, to speak his name, to articulate his gospel, such that others would be led into his righteousness. That's part of making shalom. At the seminary at which I studied in Vancouver, Canada, Regent College, I remember years ago, when I was there, one professor was reflecting on what it means to be God's faithful people, reflecting on the picture we get in Scripture, and kind of challenging us. He charged the students there in this way. He said, don't be safe, don't be polite, and certainly don't be nice. This is a very hard word for us Canadians. Rather, he said, though, be good, be godly, and perhaps even be dangerous. That might strike us as a little bit grandiose. If you're anything like me, you don't feel particularly dangerous, like much of a threat. But one of the things that emerges in the book of Daniel is that to live faithfully in a beastly age is at some level to be perceived as a danger. Daniel is perceived as a threat by the other authorities and officials of his time. Such people who live sticking out, out of step with the age as it is, will experience distress and opposition. 
to be in sync with reality, wise, and thus out of step with the age, is to put yourself in a position of discomfort and opposition, even in distress. This is God's call upon our lives. And the bad news, the terrifying warning of the picture in Daniel is of a ratcheting up of this discomfort, this distress. The pressure increases. It does not go away. Ratcheting up even to the point that the people of God are in verse 7, it says, broken. That's a particularly foreboding idea. Some translations put this as shattered, that the people of God are shattered. The sense here is that while the people of God are called to persevere, to endure, to be willing to be out of step with the age around them and must work to be in step with reality, their strength, their efforts are not ultimately enough. The people of God will come to the end of themselves. The powers of this age will seem to gain the upper hand. Where then, we might ask, does comfort lie? And it lies here in the glorious promise of God's good conclusion. At the end of ourselves, at the end of our lives, when your spirit and mine might be broken, our strength failing, the reserves of God, Daniel teaches us, the reserves and resources of God to work wonders have only just begun. Are you at the end of yourself? Are you shattered in some way in your attempts to live faithfully? Just wait. Just watch. Behold the comfort of his promise. Daniel 12 is the clearest expression in the Old Testament of the doctrine of the resurrection of the body. It's there elsewhere, but it's clear, most clearly articulated here. That the promises of God, the power of God, extend beyond the grave, beyond our greatest enemy. Those who have lived faithfully, I should say, the, beyond our final enemy. Those who have lived faithfully, who have suffered distress and died, have here the promise of everlasting life. The promise of what Psalm 17 speaks of, when I awake, I will be satisfied. The promise is that all the raging of this age, all the beastly powers for the real distress that they can are but a shadow, sound and fury signifying nothing. And for the people of God, there is the dawning of something more beyond death. And what lies beyond death? Well, here we see God's good conclusion in more precise terms, vindication where those in step, the wise, it says, will shine with the brightness of the stars. That's royal language. Those who have suffered, those who have stood out and been out of step will be raised up and death shall be no more. It's a picture of justice fully and finally done. And it's a picture of rest. After all distress, out of sync with the age around them, true Sabbath rest. This is God's good end. One of the remarkable kind of connections between this passage and the New Testament comes in a linking between it and Revelation 22. The words here that Daniel receives, this vision, he's told to seal it up, to keep it secret, because the time is not yet at hand. 
But this same language is used in Revelation 22, the final chapter in the book of the Bible. A word of prophecy, a word about God's good conclusion. And there it is explicitly said, this word about the end is to be unsealed. Make it known, tell it loud. Because it says the end draws near. In Jesus Christ, in his victory over death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, God's victory, his triumph over the beastly powers of this age is already here, already present. The vindication of his purposes, of his people, the making of justice and peace is already underway. So the basic encouragement for us is be in step. Live in line with things as they are and are coming to be. Don't give up. Because blessed, happy are you when you persevere in this way. Congratulations when you're out of step with the age around you. Happy are the wise. In step are those who lead others to righteousness. And you, you blessed, will shine like stars in the brightness of heaven. God's good conclusion, the end. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you for the picture of faithfulness that it gives us. We thank you for the challenge that it extends to us. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, we would hear, we would feel, we would receive this challenge today. Would you incline our hearts to more closely walk with you, to more faithfully walk as your people. I pray that for those of us who are participating today, that perhaps if there's just even one thing that we might do this week to move, to exert energy, to walk more closely with you, that you would reveal it to us now, that our imaginations and our sense of what is possible would increase and that we would walk in obedience. But we thank you too for the word of comfort the sure and certain promises of this book and of particularly this chapter. And for those of us who are heavy-hearted, who are broken-hearted or laid low, and the, the challenge to walk faithfully feels so very heavy to us, would you in your mercy and your kindness give us a, a true and full glimpse, a deeper glimpse of your good and gracious conclusion, of the power and promises of God? Would you inspire in us in this way then strength and the ability to follow closely? We love you, Lord. We, we lift your name high. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.